Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on the show Tina Vero from uh, Swisscom. She's head of Swisscom Outpost Innovation Programs. Um, welcome, Tina. So we were just talking off air over the years. Uh, I've had lots of different engagements with various people from from Swisscom as an organisation. Uh, I would say you've definitely been kind of first mover. Actually, there was this wave of telcos that came in primarily uh, from the continent. Deutsche Telekom was another one that was very active early in blockchain and exploring enterprise blockchain. And at one point, there was specifically something called Swisscom Blockchain, which I know now has been consolidated and integrated back into the business. So maybe we'll we'll talk about both your personal journey and, and the journey of Swisscom, best as you can tell it, in, in, in the context of blockchain. And then more importantly, you know, uh, where, where you guys are now and, and what you're focused on. So for those that don't know, Swisscom uh, is Switzerland's leading uh, telco company and one of its leading IT companies as well. As I said, has been a, a very active participant in the ecosystem pretty consistently as well. You know, normally we have waves of enterprise uh, come and go, especially in moments like these. There's a, usually a retreat. Uh, I, I don't know why telco seems to be pretty consistent and then within that why why swisscom but uh, maybe we can get to that a little bit later but perhaps um let's learn a little bit more about you and uh, your background and your role at swisscom i've been uh, studying at the university of st gallen that is also located in switzerland um, with a focus on business management especially on entrepreneurship and also family business um, however, my passion has always been around innovation in general and also very much around the culture industry, anything that is related with new philosophies of how to look at things, but also um, the, the whole entertainment space. I've been interning at Sony Music, but also in, in other um, areas of VC that have been looking into entertainment tech before, um, before I started my journey at Swisscom. And at Swisscom, I have the role of being an innovation um, expert. We're working uh, with a small team that is actually located in Silicon Valley in Palo Alto. We have a team of eight people. It's called the Swisscom Outpost, and we are on a mission to scout for innovation, which means we're looking at startups, trends, technologies with the goal to then transfer it back to Switzerland, either for internal stakeholders or for our customers in the B2B or B2C field. My focus with the Swisscom Outpost has been on anything consumer. Um, so I'm focusing especially on retail technologies, customer experience, or again, um, entertainment technologies since um, Swisscom also offers an extensive range of TV offers or movie theaters. And um, that's also how my journey has led to um, Web3 or Metaverse, since that's like a field where um, everything comes together. And for about the last two years, I would say, I've been focusing intensely on Metaverse and also been co-leading the Metaverse initiatives within Swisscom. Very cool. Well, firstly, it's it's good to hear you still using the term metaverse um, and alongside Web3, because obviously the kind of terminology that people use, especially in enterprise context, comes and goes often because of shareholder attitude, right? So, you know, we've got several partners that are very careful about the language that they use and how it could be interpreted by the market, you know, whether something's perceived negatively or positively, primarily by Wall Street, depending on obviously where, where they're listed. So you mentioned the outpost is in Silicon Valley. And I think that is 
also interesting uh, in the context of, of Web3, which is perhaps more, more globalized. Um, to what extent is Silicon Valley still seen as kind of strategically important in this kind of technological landscape? Very good question. Thank you for that one. Happy to answer it. I think Silicon Valley definitely had its ups and downs, especially um, after the pandemic came in and a lot of startups could not afford staying in this region anymore. They've been going to other places, for example, Austin, which is also um, building like a new ecosystem now. However, I think there's still a lot of venture capital money being located in Silicon Valley, which will at a later stage, maybe than before, still attract startups to come back. Um, I see this development somehow as a natural filter of startups again, because it will only attract the startups that are somehow at the later stage already being successful enough, I would say, to also be able to stay in Silicon Valley. However, um, we're also currently extending our point of view on sourcing to other areas, be it Austin, be it um, on the East Coast, or also um, a bit more South, especially in the context of metaverse. I think um, Los Angeles or Silicon Beach, how it's often being named, um, has a huge potential, especially also with, with the historic background of the gaming or entertainment industry in general. Um, we have the industry leaders that come there. We have Disney, Snapchat, we have so many consumer and lifestyle corporates or also new smaller companies popping up there. And also the people, I think since um, Los Angeles is a, is a very competitive market and very pressure market, um, people tend to be very eager. Um, it's a huge diversity and there is new VC money being pumped into smaller startups. So I think that's definitely a market to look at in the future. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about the metaverse is that it, it does, it brings together industries, you know, whether it's web and tech uh, with entertainment and media. Um, and uh, I've always described it as kind of a contact language between those two, two different tribes, almost two different cultures. As I said at the top end, you know, Swisscom has been pretty consistent in, in its commitment to the space way back having that kind of dedicated uh, blockchain business. I, think, I don't know, I can't remember if it was span out or, and then you think you said it was integrated back in. But maybe before we go into to Swisscom specifically, why do you think Telco uh, has been a, a first mover or at least a you know, fast follower into uh, not just Web3 and blockchain, but then also um, the metaverse? I think it's mainly based on the base technologies that uh, Web3 is based on. I mean, we have um, blockchain, as you mentioned it, we have cloud and edge technology that's very important, but also 5G or in the future 6G that is um, a base infrastructure play, I would say, for telcos where it's a lot. It's just like a given right to play, I would say, to be there. We have to look into uh, new consumer um, desires or the desires of new hardware pieces. What does it mean for latency, um, for the broadband? And that's strategic positions that a telco has to look into, um, especially when we look at the telco as a main infrastructure player, it makes sense to work with this base and um, go up the pyramid of the ecosystem um, and build a partner network or ecosystem around um, virtualization tools, uh, virtual worlds, 
even maybe the economic infrastructure on top. And it just opens up huge new opportunities, especially when we think of the huge pressure that a lot of telcos have at the moment um, to innovate themselves and search for new growth areas. I think Web3 is really on the on the field of mindset and culture, but also in the field of business models, a huge opportunity that wasn't missed by those players in the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great articulation of it. And so why has, you know, Swisscom been especially, I, I would say, curious and, uh, and active in this space very early on. I, I can't remember the timeframes, but it must have been at least seven years ago, maybe six years ago when I when I last spoke to this kind of dedicated Swisscom blockchain entity. Absolutely. I think that's, that's about right um, regarding the timeline. The starting point was also kind of given when we look at Switzerland as an um, ecosystem or as a country that is very leading, um, be it in innovation or top universities, which also led to our, we call it Crypto Valley um, in Zouk, where a lot has been happening around crypto and blockchain, um, which was kind of like a huge chance for a telco that is located in the same geographic region to get to know the technology, to have an ecosystem that was supportive also the governmental structures were very supportive. And I think all of those elements have been adding into our um, understanding of what blockchain is and what it might um, help in the future. And also into tapping into it, also thinking of the huge financial factor uh, sector that Switzerland has, or also the pharma industry, which hugely benefit from the whole blockchain. It's of course also a challenge, but um, a lot of, of those industries saw it as a as an opportunity as well. Yeah, and I think earlier you mentioned you know, we were talking about this kind of stack where it was almost you almost obliged to play as a telco, kind of looking at this infrastructure. Um, and you mentioned the kind of economic layer on top of something like the metaverse. And I think for us, that's the complete view of the metaverse that many people miss. They they kind of look at the experiential layer and say, okay, virtual worlds. But then they miss the next step, which was what are the economic primitives that uh, allow these to operate, interoperate. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. And I know that you were uh, an author of Web3 Business Model Canvas that kind of came out of Outpost. So it would be great if you could just talk us through how you see the role of something like Web3 in the context of the metaverse, but then also um, the opportunity for business model innovation and, and what led you to create that that canvas? So I think Web3 and Metaverse, they're very tightly um, interconnected. I think the Metaverse, especially in the general understanding of, of a lot of people, is really more of the experience layer on top of Web3 technologies. So I always look at Web3 more of a um, structural and technological standpoint that enables the experience on a metaverse layer, which then often is interpreted as virtual worlds. As you said, how many people look at it as a fragment of the whole ecosystem. However, I think it is very important to also educate people that it's not metaverse is not just about um, those virtual worlds being decentralized and sandbox and so on. There is so much more. Also, when we look at um, like the whole philosophy behind it, which comes from the Web3 um, field, be it around decentralization or 
democratization, transparency, um, authenticity, and this whole shift from the current um, still existent um, attention economy towards the new creator economy. And I think this whole philosophy is extremely relevant for the success of the of the platforms in the future. Could we go into the, the, the model canvas a little bit? So it's great to see uh, people kind of create tooling like that. Um, I think we did something similar. Web3 can be very overwhelming, especially if you're a founder, and I'm sure it's the same if, if you're kind of sat in enterprise and you're trying to understand beyond the technology, what are the implications of these principles, these design principles, um, and, and how might they affect existing business models or inform new ones and so what was the motivation behind the canvas and can you talk through i guess you know how you hope people can use it who's it for i think the main motivation was really that we saw web3 is call it evolution or a revolution in my in my eyes even um of the whole internet and how people are going to interact with each other or organizations are going to interact with each other um, and its customers in the future. And the business model canvas is a great um, starting point. However, it doesn't live up to the new interconnections between all the players in this market. So we came up with this new Web3 business model canvas to kind of have a better understanding um, of those interconnections and highlight those, starting with infrastructure, for example, or also the relation between decentralization and centralization. Um, there is no possible decentralization in our view without some kind of a centralization um, that makes processes more efficient. And how do those things interplay? Um, we have smart contracts coming in um, that the whole system is much more open there is more players the whole system is much more complex and we try to on a very high level depict that and make it more applicable or tangible for users that try to tap into it and also find out how to generate value since this value question around web3 or metaverse is still very persistent and um, not easy to grasp for for many entrepreneurs or um, also corporates it's not always obvious or in in some cases um which are more emergent it's non-obvious um wh where value can accrue how, you know to use kind of silicon valley um language you know where you can build a moat a defensible moat <clears throat> and all this kind of stuff so as somebody that's leading uh innovation within an organization like uh, swisscom you have a number of stakeholders, I guess, some internal, some external. How do you look to realize innovation um, in, in both of those contexts? In, in, in what way are you trying to, is it new service lines, in new business units? Uh, how much does that have to tie into bottom line? How experimental can you be? And then how do you engage with an external ecosystem? And, and I think you mentioned earlier, filter uh, that that startup ecosystem because uh, even a, a large organization like Swisscom is still limited in in the resource that it can allocate to startups, right? And, and and time and attention. Absolutely, you call it out. The time, attention, and commitment is always a bit of a struggle for us, or I would say for innovation in general. So um, that's really the baseline. We we need a certain financial resources and also, um, yeah committed resources on a personal level to make that happen. Um, and when we look at the process of how we scout for innovation and how we 
like transfer it into the organization. Um, I would start with our ecosystem. So we do have, um, I would say three main success factors of our outposts in, in Silicon Valley, which is of course people, be it our experts that work for Swisscom that are um, savvy on tech topics, but also on business topics. When we think of the innovation process, um, we have um, our lab, uh, we do have a lab on site and a data center where we can test certain services before we then transfer it back to Switzerland. And the third one is really just also the, the whole ecosystem, um, be it, um, let's say, universities or be it the people, the talent outside um, that can help um, accelerate this innovation. And how we work is basically in two approaches. So we have a technology push where we mostly look for inspiration or new business models that we then push into the organization without having a very specific um, request from internal that is that is um, asking for a solution on a problem. So this can be reports on new trends that we see. It can also be um, the build of very new business models. We have, for example, being proposing, proposing a very new business model in the field of edutainment that was new and not really looked at in, in Swisscom. Um, and then on the other hand, we have the technology pool um, where we work very closely with our stakeholders internally. And then they give us very specific requests on solutions they're looking for or new technologies that we then go screen the market, um, be it in exchange with um, VCs or universities, we're going to a lot of events, um, for example, RSA or CES, many more. Um, and then we consolidate it um, in reports or also in a market radar where we see um, certain signals that add up to trends and then um, translated and consolidated to our internal stakeholders. Yeah, I mean, very interesting and helpful, I'm sure, for a lot of founders who perhaps um, might not have had a lot of engagement with enterprise. It, it's always a challenging one for a startup to, well, both sides actually, for the, for the startup to think, how do I engage with an organization like Swisscom? Who do I approach? What level of maturity or funding do I need to be able to be, to pass procurement process? And then similarly, am I speaking to the right person? You know, uh, could they be a sponsor of a POC or a particular contract? So, how how would you advise, I mean, it doesn't have to be specific to Swisscom, but generally, how would you advise a founder approach trying to do BD with an enterprise like Swisscom? What At what stage should they not bother? You know, it's just going to be too time intensive. An organization just isn't going to be able to purchase. The, the, the sale cycle is going to be too long. And that kind of procurement piece and, uh, and when would be optimal? It's very different depending on the stage of the startup, um, the industry they're in, or also the goal they're pursuing. I would say there's different channels that can be uh, approached, especially in Swisscom, for example. While our venture capital arm is much more looking into later stage um, startups, I would suggest early stage startups to look into, for example, our startup challenge that we host every year, where we invite startups to apply, and then they go through a selection process and they can win 
um, a program where we um, set up a POC, they get consulting or they can use our infrastructure to test their solution or scale their solution to a certain extent. And they're also granted um, a two-week um, study trip to Silicon Valley to our team where they can um, look into how to access the U.S. market or how to build partnerships, um, become better at sales, for example. So that's for more earlier stage um, startups. And then another stream, of course, is connecting with the outpost. I'm always happy to receive requests from startups. So that's really a call to action here. If you do have a great um, idea, business idea, or you're open for POC, please feel free to reach out. And um, I'm happy to consider that option and connect in case of interest to the right stakeholders internally. Um, what's always helpful is having, of course, like a slide deck where um, it's either targeted for investors or where you um, present a connection to Swisscom already. The more personalized it is, the better to get, get the attention of people in the field of innovation. And one thing I always um, ask for when it comes to a first um, discussion or kickoff with a startup or with founders is um, asking for use cases they might already have and what the results were. So having really use cases with facts and figures of the outcomes is always very helpful for the internal convincing of our people that in the end have to agree on um, yeah, freeing resources such as budget or um, people who help supporting the innovation process. Yeah, and one of the things I always uh, recommend, we always recommend at Outlier is to try to socialize a relationship as much as possible because on the one hand when people think they're dealing with a large organization they're often dealing with an individual it's very personalized people move on you know it's just the reality of life and so you know making sure you you kind of socialize that actually uh, multiple channels it can get a bit political sometimes um but it, it, i i normally normally recommend it right um uh, because people move around a lot within organizations and across the industries. So that, that's another thing I'd say. So what, what are you interested in at the moment? Are there kind of specific hot topics, areas of innovation where you're kind of proactively, uh, you know, looking to engage startups? Yeah, um, still on the metaverse track. <laughs> um, and I also think I want to mention here, um, it's very competitive with generative AI that is a field I'm looking at too. I have the feeling that uh, the metaverse or immersive technologies, however you want to name it, um, has been kind of pushed away from the focus of a lot of people since generative AI has um, gotten a lot of attention. Um, for me, I think the metaverse is not being replaced by AI, but it's much more in fact fertilized by it. And since you've been mentioning um, the metaverse is a collection of different technologies. I think AI is just like a main driver to create opportunities in solving problems in the space and also accelerate the development of the metaverse. Um, I'm hoping for a new wave of interest that's coming with the release of uh, the Apple glasses next um, early year. So let's see how that goes. Um, we're still pursuing an explorative approach within Swisscom where we um, pilot certain uh, yeah, use cases in our fields of interest, mainly in the field of branding um, and, and uh, marketing. Other topics that I'm very passionate about is education, which has some overlap with the metaverse. 
especially the topic of edutainment, which is a mix of entertained education that I think has immense potential and is going to change the way people learn. Um, because I think the, the traditional school system is still lagging behind what is possible and how people would um, learn, especially when we look at um, Generation Z or, or younger, um, that this is going to change dramatically. And um, there's so many tools and new trends that could be integrated. Also elements from, um, for example, the metaverse, which is gamification or community. If you take those elements and integrate it into new fields of technology or new trends and industries, um, it has a huge potential in that field. Yeah, it's interesting. I was speaking just yesterday with somebody from our NFT team, this kind of trend around questing. You know, I guess you can reframe that as this um, edutainment. We've got several startups. I probably have to give a shout out to Esther at Hundo. If you don't already know her, we should definitely connect you to her. They're doing some really- I don't know her, but yeah. would love to connect. They're doing really brilliant things, specifically on um, the younger generations and how you onboard them into a, a workforce uh, recognizing talents that they may be demonstrating in non-conventional environments like gaming environments. So we will, uh, I'm almost obliged to connect you to, to her now as well. Well, look, it's been fascinating uh, talking to you, Tina. As I said, it's, it's great to see that continued commitment from Swisscom, but also that they have people like yourselves who really see the bigger picture, I think, and, and are able to kind of connect the dots, very much aligned to how you see the space and uh, the convergence of technologies that are happening within um, the metaverse. So thanks very much for coming on. What's the best way for somebody to connect with you directly? Um, the best way to connect with me directly is reach out via LinkedIn, and um, I'll be happy to... Um connect and find out more or just exchange and uh, with that also thank you very much jamie to have me on this uh, wonderful podcast it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, i hope we can stay in touch if you enjoyed today's podcast please make sure you subscribe rate and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of web3 